You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. You're listening to Natalie Cutler-Welsh here on Reality Check Radio. And my next guest is the amazing Ina Neal. We're going to be talking about the importance of us doing the deep inner healing. And for those of you that haven't met Ina before, Ina, am I saying your name right? You are. Great. (laughs) Ina is the founder of um, Inner Enlightened. She is a wisdom transformational life guide, mentor, spiritual guide, and healer. For the last decade, she's been supporting children, teens, parents, and individuals to become self-aware of who they are, awaken to their unique gifts, and heal and transmute trauma so that they get to let go of what no longer serves them and live in their natural state of peace and joy, to rise to their natural state of living in their true self and sharing those gifts with the world. She does this through experiential and compassion journeys that she takes you through to realize how you can become empowered and being the person you were born to be. Well, Ina, it's so amazing to have you here on Reality Check Radio. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It's it's a pleasure. It's my pleasure. I know that I've chatted to you and interviewed you multiple times over the years, um, but it's exciting to bring you to this audience because this topic today, which is the importance of us doing deep inner healing, will be very new to some people and very familiar to others. So um, what I'd love to do is before we dive into that topic, can you give us a paint us a little picture, give us a little backstory of how you got to where you are today doing this work? Mm, Thank you. Thank you for asking. Um, So kind of in a nutshell, um, you know, about 10 years ago, um, I was a mom. I'm still a mom of four children. Back then I had two teenagers and two very young children. I have quite a big gap between the two. Um, and I was finding that life was just really hard. Um, what I re- I was also studying for a mental health diploma. I have a background in psychology as well. And um, what I was finding is, is that I was experiencing deep depression, but I was extremely high functioning in it. And so I'd wake up in the morning, um, still waking up my children for school, um, communicating with my family, being a stay-at-home mom, doing all the things that I did, but everything felt really, really hard. Um, You know, dishes, doing dishes felt really hard. And that's okay, except when um, I had this deep, deep belief that everything felt really hard. And so even though doing dishes wasn't a big deal, right? Who cares if I think that doing dishes is hard? But what, what, how it was impacting my life was that my relationships with my children were really hard. And my relationships with my partner was really hard. And ultimately, my relationship with life felt really hard. In other words, I did get up. I did do laundry, I did clean, I did take them to school, but I didn't want to do it. Mm. And so I found myself constantly asking this question, if this is it, I actually don't want to be here. But I had nowhere else to go because I knew that everybody else in my life needed me. Um, And with that, I remember that, you know, my teenagers would kind of hide away in their rooms every time I'd open up my mouth. Um, My young children were experiencing lots of heavy emotion, and I didn't know this, but they were trying to unconsciously awaken me 
so that I started to do my own healing. And um, um, I had this beautiful um, day that um, I woke up one morning and for the first time, my mind was completely silent. And I think so many of the listeners can can. Um, relate to this where the mind is constantly speaking 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 whether it's mm, saying statements like this is so hard or they need to change if they changed I would feel better but this morning this particular morning was very different for me and it was silent for the first time and there was a um there was a familiarity to that silence, but it was something that I don't ever remember experiencing. And so when I experienced that silence, I had this other question come up for me. And that question was, what if you're doing this all wrong? Now, I know now that there is no right or wrong or good or bad. Um, but back then, it was the only way that I can hear what was coming up. And I thought, well, I'm going to entertain that question because I'm always talking to myself anyway. And I asked if I'm doing it all wrong, um, how do I do it right? And do it meaning life. Um, and this book had popped up for me. I had it on my bookshelf for as long as I can remember. And it was a book by Wayne Dyer. And um, I, I'm probably going to mess up the title, but it was first, you must believe it before you can see it. Um, and I went to my bookshelf and I had a look at it and I popped on a YouTube video about, you know, where Wayne Dyer was just sharing something. And I sat down on my couch and for six hours, I didn't get up. And something began to resonate with me. It was like my soul began to say, just start listening to this, just start working through this. And that was really the pivotal moment to me choosing to dive in um, to my healing, to my awakening, to my realizing that um, it's not about what's going on outside of me. It's about who am I being on the inside that is actually projecting out and showing me the evidence of what's going on within me. It's like the law of resonance, right? What I am resonating as is what I am emitting out into the world through my relationships, through my life, the way that I interact with my life. And as I began to dive in with many, many different teachers, and I began to heal and recognize that there was trauma that I was holding on in my life. And, you know, and this trauma was actually constantly speaking to me. And I was listening to it as though it was my truth. I was realizing manifesting, creating that trauma in my life through my relationships, um, through 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 the way that I experienced life. Everything just felt hard. I remember at one point, my husband goes to me, I was doing the dishes, going back to the dishes, and I was doing them, and I was mumbling something. And he looked at me and he said, why do you always say that? And I was like, what did I say? He said that this is so hard. I didn't even realize that I was constantly speaking it out loud. Reasserting and recreating. Yeah. 
And so from that point, when you realized, you know, reading that Wayne Dyer um, book and realizing that you'd kind of been playing a part in, in recreating that, then how did you turn things around or was it more of a gradual process? Mm. Um, it, I guess it was both. It felt like something within me completely changed trajectory. It was like I had this huge opening to a voice within me that I haven't been able to hear um, for a really long time and didn't even recognize that it even existed for me. And that voice now knowing was my highest, greatest self, this part of me that is whole, this part of me that is complete, this part of me that has forever guided me in all my experiences, but I quieted it down. So from that perspective, it was a almost like a miracle in shift in trajectory. Um, but that shift didn't take away that I needed to keep choosing this healing, that I needed to be uh, continuously choosing to be guided by that voice and recognizing the difference between um, what the mm, wounded part is and what this highest self is. And as I began to choose it over and over again, um, it became easier to choose it over and over again. And I always say at this point in my life, because, um, you know, who knows what's going to keep unfolding in my life. But at this point in my life, I can say that there's no exit ramp to this inner healing work because life is always showing me evidence of what more is wanting to be seen and compassionately let go of so that I can step into the truth, my natural state of who and what I want to be in my life. And of course, ultimately be able to serve from that place. And the more I listened, the more this path unfolded. And um, yeah, that's that's how I started to actually do the work in the world as well. You know, I think it's divine timing that we're having this conversation now on this topic now. And we've we've had to delay this interview a couple times. So it is divine timing um, because just recently, uh, you know, it's been 8-8 Lionsgate. And I do believe from, I think it's July 27, late July to August um, 12, you know, mid-August is the Lionsgate, which in my understanding is a wonderful time to kind of reimagine how you want to be in this world, kind of re a lot of people are re-evaluating their purpose, you know, their their role, their job, and also a great time to time to release and to heal. Um, and so I'm so excited for some of the wisdom you're going to, well, raising this topic and some of the wisdom you're going to share with our audience today around this topic of healing. Something you mentioned, Ina, was, you know, you re realized it was time for you to quote unquote do your own healing. If someone's listening and they go, okay, I've heard about this healing. I've heard about quote unquote doing the work, but how do I do it? Like, mm. what do I do? Can you give us some kind of, well, I guess, first of all, what does it mean by doing your own healing? And what is a great starting point for someone if they're like, okay, I'm ready. What is it? And I know there's probably a few options, but how do they start? Yeah. Great question. Thank you for asking that. Um, so, you know, Firstly, when you don't know how to do it, um, uh, it feels so big and so daunting. And um, the reason the reason is, you know, in, in the work that I do is I don't give um, 
I don't give opinions or suggestions. What I do is I hold a space to be able to help you to uncover the who you are. And the reason why that is so important, because it's always going to be unique to you, to how you step in to this path of awakening, of healing, of recognizing the voices, the voice of, oh, this is the, you know, some people call it the ego, I call it the wounded part. And so um, recognizing, oh, there's that wound. And then we're also at the same time recognizing, and then when I can heal that wound, there's this part of me that is actually loud and clear. And so the first thing I would say is, A, reach out to someone that you know is already on that path. So for me in that moment, it was Wayne Dyer. Right. As the path continued to open up for me, I started to follow other teachers that I felt called to listen to. And those that didn't resonate, throw them away. And those that do resonate, dive in a little bit deeper. Um, And then I began to actually reach out to real life people, not just on YouTube, not that the people on YouTube aren't real life, but ones that I know that can hold that safe space that are already doing the work. So that would be number one, because we only know what we know in each moment. And when we know more, we do more. And we are, we are human beings that are supposed to be connecting with each other. We're human beings that are supposed to be in the space and the energy and the conversations with those that resonate for us. So recognize that you're not alone and ask those open questions. Who is resonating for me now that I'd like to come in and ask that question? Um, And then the other thing that I'd love to share, and this is a little bit more practical of what you can start right now doing in this moment. Um, And this comes from the perspective of, again, going back to those wounds, right? Going back to that trauma that we pick up. Those wounds are constantly speaking to us. Now, those wounds um, were created, whether it be when we were little children those wounds were created generationally. An example of that for, you know, to take away the woo-woo out of it is, for example, you know, I was born in the Ukraine. Um, My grandmother was, you know, all my ancestry is from Ukraine. And so back then, I'm now in my 50s, back then, um, you know, in you, back then it was the U.S. are. It was a really challenging time. My grandmother had lost both her parents at a very young age. And so she had this trauma in her life and her life's experience where she had to, at 12 years old, become the adult for her younger siblings. Now, um, that trauma stayed with her for the rest of her life. The way that it showed up for me was that my mother, we, we moved to the States when I was two years old. My mother went off to work and for my father as well. And my grandmother was the, 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 you know, the provider for us at home. She was the stay at home mom with us. And I observed her as a young person, as a child, constantly freaking out every time my mother would be home late from work, either even five seconds, right? I watched her 
starting to pull her hair out of her head. I watched her go into panic attacks until my mom would get home. Now, as a child, I observed it, and there were two ways that I kind of reacted to it. I either laughed it off to say, oh, there we go again. Or I would get frustrated with her and and say, why do you do that? She's going to be home soon. And of course, there were no cell phones back then. And so you just had to sit and wait for her to get home. Um, And what I didn't realize is that I picked up so much of that energy and that fear from my grandmother. And so when I became a mother, unknowingly, every time my kids would step out of the door, going to school or going to be with their friends, I had this mm, wound come up. What if I don't see them again? What if this is the last time that I ever see them, right? And so that trauma impacted the way that I parented them, right? So that's what I mean by generational trauma. I picked up her fear, but then I had other traumas where I- And can I just jump in, Ina, because so a generational trauma, also known as ancestral trauma- and you know the backstory to yours, but we'll have mm-hmm. these traumas that we don't know yeah. where they come from or even yeah. that we have them. Is that so? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I would say, and again, this is just defining it, ancestral trauma is actually different from generational trauma. Okay. okay. Um, and that's a whole other podcast. And I'm happy <laughs> to do another one there. But we'll just, we'll keep it simple. We'll keep it simple. Um, yeah, most of the time we actually don't know where a lot of our traumas are coming from because we're just living in these moments and these wounds are constantly speaking to us. And so what these wounds are doing is they're setting us into this fight or flight mode where I need to save myself, I need to protect myself. Now, from that place, my nervous system, to put it gently, is going bonkers. And so I don't have clarity. I don't have solutions in how I want to step into this experience of when I'm with my children, to put it practically, or if something is happening in my life. I'm just autopiloting from this place. Sometimes I make up words. I know autopiloting is not a real word, but it there, there, there's there's an energy from it. That's good. Um, And so we're kind of being in that autopilot of these traumatic wounds that we've built up in our neural pathways, both in our minds, but also in every cell in our bodies. We're not aware where those traumas come from. And the work that, for example, I do is that I guide you um, in acknowledging and becoming aware because our our mm, highest self, the being that we are, knows exactly where those traumas had come from. And holding a space, having someone facilitate a space for you where they know and feel how to guide you to becoming aware of, ooh, that's where that came from. And then compassionately seeing those wounds, they begin to fall away, melt away, dissolve away. And then what happens is we rise up as the beings that we are born to be. So a tool that I often share with my clients, with my audience is let's first get you into a state of calming down our nervous system. Okay. So that the wounds can kind of settle a little bit. 
so that my nervous system, my vagus nerve, we, we know all of these words, but we don't know what to do with it, is a beautiful tool that I kind of call the, not kind of, that I call um, um, segment breath intention. You can say SBI. Now, segment breath intention is um, what you do is the, it really takes you, it really is using it in the moment. So segment, I'll define it first. Segment is we all have segments throughout our day. We define what a segment is. So a segment can be anything from I wake up in the morning, I walk to the toilet. That's one segment. It can be a minute. Or a segment can be, I wake up in the morning and I go to the kitchen and I make my coffee, right? That's a little bit of a longer segment. A segment can be, I get in my car, I drive to work and I get to work, whatever length that segment is. So segment in your day is choosing a segment in your life. Um, sometimes a person, um, uh, uh, you can say, I'm just going to divide my segment into hours. So every single hour on the hour will be a segment for me. Segment, then you go into breath. Breath is, you take what I call the candle breath. The candle breath goes like this. And many teachers teach about breath work, right? So breath can be first you empty out your lungs fully, breathing fully out. And then you breathe fully in. Yeah, take your time breathing in. Holding the breath at the top for just a few seconds. You can even count. And then letting the out breath be a little bit longer than the in breath. So breathing fully out. You want to do that three to four to five to six times until you can actually feel your nervous system go. Ah, and for each person, it'll be different depending on the intensity of what this moment or this wound has brought up for them, right? So um, if they have regular, mm, let's say, driving rage or forget what you call it, but um, what do they road call rage. it? Yeah, road rage. Road rage, thank you. You know, and, and they've practiced this road rage for a long time. You might need a few more breaths before you hop into the car because your 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 wound is popping in and you're going to be like, right? And so you might want to take a few deep breaths more than, than, than if your nervous system is already at ease. And then intention is how do you want that segment to feel like, to be like. And so keeping it simple is, I just want to be calmer. I just want to be present. I just want to express love to whoever I'm being with. And if you do that for three to four to five days, I always say, be the experimenter of your life. Don't take anybody's word for it. But if something resonates for you, experiment it for three days and notice if it's impacted you. Because when we reflect, then we can see if it's changed anything for us. And if it has, then that kind of affirms for us, oh, I want to keep going there. I think it's so important, especially the intention piece, at least for me, because for me, what came to mind was definitely present. 
Um, I'm not one to massively plan ahead. Like I do live by my calendar to a certain extent, but I, I do want to be in the moment. So mm. that is always a you know goal is to be present and definitely to be more loving because mm. um, I can be quite opinionated. Mm. So <laughs> that's what I would be doing. And then blowing out that breath, I can definitely do that, the candle thing. And I love the, the concept of be the experimenter. And I think for our audience listening, if you're open to it and you can see the benefits, then give it a go. I think, you know, you yeah. said three days or five days. Yeah, three to five days, three to five days, you'll start to notice a shift in the first day. But I always say go a little bit longer, and then reflect notice, how am I being? Is there anything different about me? Because when we can see, right, it's kind of like, you know, going to the gym. And, you know, first day, you kind of work out and your body feels a little bit good. And there's a little bit going on. You know, you you, you get that little bit more of an impact in, oh, something's working here. I'm going to go again tomorrow. It's it, it it's that that self kind of, I don't like to call it motivator, but it's more of that self inspirational guide that's saying something is shifting in me i'm willing to see what else is possible Mm. and that of course changes your state so this is all part of the how do we do our own healing how do we start this healing journey um how, how does you know doing the inner healing what i sometimes call the work but maybe that's a bad term doing the inner healing how does it impact our lives and also the people that we love? Like what kind of, I'm not saying what results can we expect, but I'm saying, how does it, how does it impact our lives? Because mm. I feel like it has amazing benefits, but of course we need to consciously do it. It, can't, it doesn't just happen. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you for asking that. And I always love to share with, with a story because, you know, it's one thing for me to say, do your healing, let it go. But exactly how does it actually impact my life? And that's why I actually do this work. It's not about, you know, going off um, and, and, you know, meditating or breathing and then still being that road rager or still having those, those tense relationships with your family. Um, and I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll share a personal story that just happened even just yesterday, right? So my daughter, she's young. She just started intermediate in the beginning of this year here in our Southern hemisphere. We started school in February. Um, and, you know, she was kind of like, Uh, very confident in primary school. And, you know, something happened for her that she defined as traumatic. And all of a sudden, this great big anxiety started to happen within her body. And now she's observing life as she's not not observing life. Yeah, observing life, but she's observing going to school as something hard and scary. And she's speaking language like "Mm, they don't like me. They don't they're going to make fun of me. I feel like an alien to them. And the more she did that, the more anxious she became. And so we, you know, she was available to do some healing with me around that and things had shifted for her. Um, And then just the other day, she had an assignment due. Now, what she realized and what I realized is every time an assignment Um, pops in for her at school, she gets really anxious, starts thinking, I'm not going to be able to do it well. I'm not going to be able to um, get it right. 
right? And she goes into this big meltdown. I don't want to go to school. Um, the crying, the pain. Now, my old self would jump into my own wounds. I would either, right, as parents, usually, and there's more ways that we exhibit that trauma, but I'm going to share three. The first one is um, I attack back. You're going to school because I said so. And maybe you raised your voice and all of a sudden there's this big explosion, right? The second way that we respond from our wounds again is um, we get down to their pain and we start to feel bad for them and we suffer with them and then we worry, oh my goodness, who is she going to become? Is she going to go to school tomorrow? What if she never wants to go to school again? What if she becomes a failure in her life? What is our lives going to look like now? What if she never gets over this anxiety, right? It's like a worry spiral. Yes. And then the third way is we go, we're, we're just over it and we deny that it's even happening. I can't deal with this now. Do it yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And we kind of abandon them and we abandon ourselves in the process. And so how did it look like in my life? So a couple of days ago, she had this assignment that she didn't tell me she had right the night before she walks down into the kitchen, I'm cooking, and I see these tears pouring down her face. And I say, what's the matter? What's wrong? I don't want to go to school. I have this assignment. The meltdown begins. And so here I am tapping into my highest self. What does she need right now? On this moment, she just needs um, a little bit of love. She needs me to be present for her. She needs me to not say anything, not fix anything, but to say to her, how can I support you? She needs me to take a deep breath and guide her from a state of calmness and ease. And so here I was consciously being with her. And as I was balancing my own nervous system, she then opened up, stepped into my space. And how, and now we have a solution to this. How can I help you? Do you want me to help you with some healing right now? Or would you like me to have a look at your assignment and we can look at it together? And from that place, because she was now able to step into a more balanced, more calmer nervous system, she said, well, let's go do the assignment first. And then when the assignment was done, she's like, now can you take me through some of the compassion that you taught me before so that I can feel better? And this morning she woke up and she was like, I'm ready to go to school. And that's the way that it changes our lives. It's not about let me meditate. Let me do breath work. Let me listen to some podcast. It's about how do I take this work that I'm doing, and I also call it work, and how do I use it, and how does it impact my life? And with that, I see my clients have that too. Like They'll be like, oh my goodness, the way that I would normally step in, which would be with this big explosion, mm -hmm. I was actually able to be with them.
And then when we can do that more and more, um, then we can actually step into our highest selves where we are creative. And that's how I do this work because when I calmed my own nervous system, I found ways in the world of how I can actually serve in the world. And so businesses get created from that place. Um, you know, so it's it's really quite beautiful and magical. But I always say, start from where you are. I think part of the key there is recognizing our default reactions. And you highlighted three of them. I wrote down explode and attack. I worry, worry, the worry spiral and kind of denial and abandonment. So for those of you listening, we would love to know if you're happy to share either, you know, what are your default reactions or what can you recognize in yourself or just what is resonating for you? Or if you have any questions for Ina, you can send us a text at 2057, or if you want to email inbox at realitycheck.radio. Happy to um, receive your your thoughts and to know what's resonating for you on this topic of inner healing. So, Ina, before I come to the the questions that I ask everyone, which I'll come to in a minute, um, does is this something that we just incorporate into our daily lives? It's not like do the inner healing, tick done. Like I imagine, it's more of a lifestyle scenario. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. She's absolutely. nodding profusely, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely. It's, you know, this is not, there, there's no, and when I say there's, there's just no exit ramp to this work. Right. You know, I'm, I'm excited for the possibilities of what I in my life continue to ascend to. Um, and that's, you know, and that's really what's happening in our world right now, you know, with this work that I've been doing and healing my wounds, um, again, not to create a woo-woo, but what has emerged for me was my ability to also be able to see and go beyond what's happening in our world today. Um, You know, I I remember um, when COVID had just not, not to bring in COVID because, but, but it is, it is, it is our reality in so many ways. I remember when COVID had hit us and I recognized right away, I remember waking up from, um, from a deep sleep. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, this is here to break down structures that are no longer serving us. And so all of humanity are moving and stepping into a new way of being. And I know that at the moment, it just feels so heavy and so wobbly. Um, But that's what we're here to do. And as we rise in this way of now living and being um, and and knowing our highest selves, and that's the the magic and the miracles of it. When we do, I'll I'll share like a little analogy that... um, resonates with so many so i'd love to share it with you um imagine for a moment we're 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 you know like like a wine cork right and if you throw a wine cork um on the surface of, of any body of water um, it floats right and so um so when we are in those wounds when we are living life from those pains those traumas and those wounds whether they be generational whether it be ancestral whether it be now in this lifetime that i had picked up these wounds they're like chains that are connected to this cork and i'm now chained to the bottom of the sea 
right? And if I somebody comes to you, and that's something that many share and say, just think positively. Can't you see the sunshine? There's cognitively, I know that the sun is out, mm. but from a from a, from from where I am, I cannot see the surface of the water. Hence, I cannot see the sun. Hence, I cannot see the positivity or the gift of this experience. When we heal those wounds, we actually cut those chains, we cut those cords, and the cork naturally rises. And now I'm now beginning to float at the surface and I can see the sun. I can see the possibilities. I can see why these experiences, because life is always, always going to throw experiences at you. Now from this surfacey perspective, I can now see the possibilities of why this is happening for me, where the solutions are, where the path is that I need to go. And that's what we're here to do together, is rise and ascend together in this life so that we can all walk in our own unique way of how our life wants to be experienced as our highest self. So there's no exit ramp to this work because we are creative beings and our creativity is constantly evolving. You know, think about a child, you give them uh, one color and a paper. And they start drawing. And at first, it just looks like a silly line. And then all of a sudden, they start bringing in color. And they start bringing in shapes. And they start bringing in possibilities. And they start throwing mm, uh, sparkles in there and sequins and all mm -hmm. of these things. But you didn't know that it was going to look like that when you just gave them one crayon and one piece of paper. And that's what we're here to do is to be in this creative way of living in this new way of living and that's what this healing is all about the importance of it is a to be in this life and to create new experiences with the people that we love and also to create from this from the beings that we were born to be to go back to what it is that i do beautiful Beautiful. So good. And I do love a metaphor, the cork. Um, Ina, what is one thing you've done in the past year where you truly upped your brave? Um, continued to heal those wounds and keep choosing it over and over again. And I know that it doesn't, you know, it, it on the outside, it's it doesn't look like a success. But from my perspective, um, from my life and the way that I live my life right now. Um, there's nothing better and more powerful that I've done in the last year, particularly with a beautiful mm, certification that I've stepped into and really became a master at this way of truly healing from a deep, compassionate, loving way and guiding others to do that as well. That's been my most biggest up my brave this year nice and yeah. what about the bucket list do you have anything on your bucket list that you'd love us to help you with um i i know you asked this question in in, in a message and i kind of sat with it and firstly what had come up for me right away is my bucket list is to see people heal and so for me, it's like I can so beautifully connect 
to all of humanity, to the collective. And my bucket list is, is to keep seeing people heal. So um, if somebody resonates with that and they want to reach out to me, I do one-to-one journeys. Um, and then the other thing is that's coming up is in October, I'm running a retreat. Um, it's uh, the October 22nd to the 25th. And I've been running them for a few years now. And it's always been within a closed circle because I guide uh, a master hearts group and it's always been for them and it is still for them. They're joining, but I've now opened up a few spaces for those that want to just feel that love and that nurturing and that healing for themselves so that they can take it into their life. I think that's important to mention because some people will be thinking, okay, so I can maybe read a book or maybe do some breathing or in the moment, try to not do my default responses, but sometimes having someone to guide you Mm. either in a real, like a a workshop environment or retreat environment, or as an ongoing coach is really helpful. So how can people connect with you? How can they reach out to you if they either want to learn more or find out about some of your upcoming workshops? Mm. Um, the best way is just go to my website. It's um, www.innerlightened, I-N-N-E-R-L-I-G-H-T-E-N-E-D, um, uh, dot com. Um, and there's a link there, a very easy link, and you can you can read my story a little bit deeper. Um, I also run workshops for kids, so you can look at all of that and what that looks like. And there's a very easy little link there to my calendar where I call it an exploration session. It's a 40-minute session where you get to have a safe space with me. Um, I guide you into just an experience because experientially is when we know mm. the impact of healing rather than cognitively. We bypass that cognitive mind and we step deep into that. Um, and it's just a beautiful 40-minute exploration session. And it's really easy to book in. And you can also reach out to me on Facebook, um, just Ina Neal. Um, yeah. Can we, sp- can we spell that? I-N-N-A-N-E-A-L. Nice. Amazing. Mm. All right, Ina, any final comment before we wrap up? Um, I guess what's coming for me in this moment is um, just reminding yourself that you are not broken, your children are not broken, and life is not broken. I know that sometimes we can see things from that perspective, and when we are looking from that perspective, it may seem so. But there is a part of us, um, a whole part of us, the bigger part of us, that we are whole, that we are complete, that we are loved deeper than we can even ever imagine, and that we are creative beings born to come here to create in the world. So just remember that. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Ina Neal, on the importance of doing the deep inner healing. Thank you, Ina. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the space. Thank you for listening, everyone. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio.